Well, hello, Darren. Well, hello there, Matthew. How are you doing? I'm doing a-okay. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. So, it's October 16th, 2023, and uh, this is designated as National Vet Tech Week, so we are uh, recording this to hopefully recognize them, and uh, just want to say thank you for all your hard work. Mm-hmm. I guess if you guys did not know, um, we are also veterinary technicians mm-hmm. uh, in the state of Colorado currently, and uh, we decided to do a podcast that uh, will be geared mostly towards clients, client-related topics, or just education in general, um, and we'll just see where it goes from here. Yeah, I feel like we're both pretty passionate about what we do, and I feel like we've been in this profession for, I mean, I've been in it for 11 years, some of it uncertified, a lot of it certified. Um, I don't remember how long, how long have you been in it? Yeah, that's interesting because I uh, I have not actually, uh, or I did not have any formal veterinary experience prior to going to school. Really, um, I mean, I was in the FFA in high school, so I I had a couple pigs um, for the fair. We had cattle, um, uh, and, but in terms of where I'm at currently, I, I work in a small animal practice um, only, so dogs, cats. We have seen occasional, what you call pocket pets, hamsters, um, a couple birds and stuff, but mostly just dogs and cats. Uh, but prior to going to school, yeah, I I did the required volunteer work, but that's about it. So we've, we have about the same amount of experience because I graduated uh, in 2011, so that was about 12 years ago now, 12 and a half years ago, oh which is is crazy to say. Um, I mean, kind of the same thing. I did I did FFA in high school. Whoop, whoop, FFA was that. Um, but, I mean, I grew up on a farm, so I've always been around animals, and I actually got a job in a vet clinic um, as a kennel tech uh, initially, um, and then they kind of slowly trained me up to be the technician assistant that kind of then uh, went into me going to school, doing the things. Um, And uh, I graduated from tech school in 2017. Very nice. Not very long ago. It feels like forever. Yeah. But it's not very long ago. Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah, so I kind of, that's where I started out and... Here I am today, oh, nice. working primarily small animal. Um, I've done the occasional equine dentistry stuff, um, but I think small, small animal is where it's at. That's where I like it. That's where my, my heart feels happiest. Well, that's good. So, so in this episode, uh, our first episode, we're just going to talk about what a vet tech is, what it means to be in the veterinary field, and just a history of where we came from and where we are at uh, now. Where we're going and all that good stuff. Yeah. So uh, just a quick disclaimer that um, we are not veterinarians. uh, Therefore, anything we say is not actual medical advice for your animals. if you feel like you truly have an issue that you need to have checked out, um, please go see your, your veterinarian. Um, what we're doing here is just to hopefully help 
inform some people who may not know about certain topics or want to know more about certain topics. But uh, in terms of when it comes to your animal's health, uh, we would appreciate if you um, sought out uh, veterinary advice from from someone near you. Uh, the only medical advice that we are ever going to give is go to the vet. That's about it. <laughs> it's a it's a very good piece of advice. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you'll get better care because we can't really do a lot through the internet. Yeah. So that's that's how that goes. Um, kind of moving forward, there's a lot of agencies, regulatory and otherwise, that we have to kind of keep in mind. Um, so I figured I'd go through a couple of those first, okay. break them down into their abbreviations. So kind of starting out with it, um, the first one that I kind of want to go through, just break it down, is the American Association of Veterinary State Boards. Um, so as it implies, it's the association of the state boards of veterinary medicine. Um, so they oversee those. The um, next one is the CACVT or the Colorado Association of Certified Veterinary Technicians. Um, this is kind of the state board of the veterinary technicians world. Um, so they were actually established in 1976. Uh, it's the credentialing entity and professional association um, for credentialed veterinary technicians in Colorado. Um, under the permi- permission from the SBVM, which is the State Board of Veterinary Medicine, um, the CACVT, uh, as the credentialing entity for Colorado. Uh, so it means that they will award applica- applicants a credential or certification after verifying that they have met the required qualifications and registration. Um, this credential allows individuals to apply for registration uh, with the Colorado Department of Regulatory Agencies also known as DORA, um, and it's specifically under the Division of Professionals and Occupants, or Occupations. Yeah. So, w- sorry, real quick, before you, yeah. before you continue, uh, he just listed a bunch of uh, letters there, <laughs> and we understand that, uh, as most regulatory agencies go, a lot of these um, are basically just going to be kind of similar. They're going to be almost the same thing, uh, just overlapping each other, um, and it can get confusing, but uh, just know that we do recognize that. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> you don't, feel free to not memorize any of this information, but we thought it would be at least interesting. Yes, interesting and appropriate considering they, they oversee us. They're like the gods of, of the veterinary technician. We have to... We have to Pay many, m- much monies to them. <laughs> yes. Um, so... Speaking of more organizations, uh, looking through, um, in 1989, what is now known as the NAUTA, um, it was formed to represent all of the veterinary technicians, um, and it's an, it's an organization that works closely with the AVMA to protect, support, and promote the profession of veterinary technology. Um, it's also responsible for the development and accreditation of veterinary technician specialties which is a whole other subject, episode, hint, hint, wink, wink. <laughs> um, so essentially the NAVTA is just, they're our support system um, that kind of oversees what we do and 
help decide what we can and can't do. Um, so the AVMA, the American Veterinary Medical Association, they originate in 1863 when veterinary surgeons from seven states convened um, for the first time in New York. This group founded the United States Veterinary Medical Association, or the USVMA, um, which then became the AVMA in 1898. So that's basically the beginnings of the organizations that, uh, that will move forward in terms of determining what, what we're allowed to do, what we can't do, uh, how do we keep our licenses, or, or, uh, and how we go about getting them. Um, however, uh, it won't be until 1989, which is a, almost a whole hundred years later, that the AVMA didn't officially adopt the term veterinary technician. Prior to that, we were just called animal technicians. Mm -hmm. So I feel that's a bit of an upgrade because at least now we're being recognized in an actual field, you know, under the veterinary umbrella, which is, mm -hmm. you know, already an, an, uh, recognized uh, profession. Most people ask us when we tell them what we do, what does being a vet tech mean? Because they they know what nurse means, mm -hmm. and that we'll get to that in a bit. Um, but as of uh, this moment, we're we're still veterinary technicians, um, and a veterinary technician, as defined by the CACVT, is a veterinary professional that applies their medical knowledge and clinical skills to provide routine emergency and specialized care for a variety of animals, all while under the direction and supervision of a veterinarian, which is very important. As we said in our disclaimer, um, we are not allowed to uh, perform surgery, make diagnoses, or prescribe medication. So uh, please don't ask us to do any of those things because legally we can't. Um, and personally, that's a lot of that's a lot. That's a lot of responsibility, <laughs> yeah, which yeah. is why they go uh, to a lot more schooling than we do and have a lot more uh, a lot more um, certifications to pay for. Mm -hmm. uh, what all that means basically is we're responsible for anything that the veterinarian decides they want to do in uh, a treatment plan for a, a patient, you know, whether that's taking x-rays, um, uh, putting in uh, an IV catheter, um, you know, starting IV fluids, uh, giving medications, administering those medications, um, and anything else that you really can think of other than prescribing medication, diagnosing a, a patient, and performing surgery. Uh, we got a lot of hats to wear, a lot of plates to balance uh, in our in our day, um, and and as we'll talk about in a later episode. Um, you can go even further to do subspecialties for just a specific area, but uh, as I believe Darren is as well as myself, we are general uh, practice uh, technicians. So we see anything from you know hit by cars to kittens that sneeze. So mm -hmm. um, we got a lot, a lot to to take care of. Not to mention the wellness appointments. The puppies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vaccines, of course. Which is what <laughs> probably ninety percent of people think we do anyway. Mm -hmm. um, if only. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you guys can look up uh, that picture on the internet of uh, that meme format of 
what I think I do versus what my parents think I do versus <laughs> what pu the public thinks I do. And, and that's pretty accurate of, of our profession. So now that you know what we do, uh, I'm going to tell you about where it all... So in 1908, the first organized effort to train veterinary assistants came from the Canaan Nurse Institute in England. Uh, so it wasn't originally uh, an American uh, endeavor. It, it started in England. Um, all right, mate. Yeah. And then it, it took a while to catch on over here, as most things tend to do. Uh, so it was like 52 years later, the American Association of uh, Laboratory Animal Sciences instituted a certification for three different levels of animal technicians working in research institutions. So this still wasn't even necessarily for clinics yet. This was just strictly for uh, lab research institutions. And then in 1960s, uh, the Council of the Royal College of Veterinary Surgeons, the U.S. Army, which is crazy, though uh, the U.S. government will come back into play later, Ralston Purina, which you may recognize as a dog food brand, they were um, instrumental in, in coming up with that too. So they helped out, and the State University of New York established training programs for animal technicians. So now we're starting to get more into not just the research part, but actual um, clinic uh, technicians. Um, then in 1961, the state of New York, uh, the university there established the first vet tech program uh, in the United States. So they were the first ones to come up with um, a degree or at least some form of a program to establish guidelines of what we should learn before becoming, you know, before going into the field. Uh, and then 1968, Michigan State University, Central Carolina Uni uh, Community College in North Carolina, the Nebraska College of Technical Agriculture, and, of course, our uh, alma mater, Colorado Mountain College in Glenwood Springs, Colorado, uh, became the next set of uh, colleges to get programs, which surprised me. I did not remember when I was going there, or I've forgotten the years since, but uh, I didn't realize Colorado Mountain College had been around for so long, but um, it has, and it's, mm -hmm. uh, I think, one of the top recognized vet tech schools in the country, mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. I, I remember a little bit of the history, but I didn't realize it was that old, mm -hmm. which is, it's pretty awesome, honestly. Yeah, I, we can officially brag about having attended one of the first, the early adopters of, of the program. And, and I think it shows in, in the amount of, of work they do up there. So then the following year, 1969, Nebraska became the first state to actually credential certified animal technicians. And um, we, we'll break those down in a different episode because um, there's a lot to talk about each state has their own credentialing and you hear us say that word a lot it basically because there's a couple different levels there's registered licensed and certified they all basically mean the same thing there are some differences uh i'll have to look those up again because i don't remember off the top of my head but um I think there's another episode for that. yeah <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Nebraska in, in 1969, they were the first state to give us recognition for our hard work and, and education. I would also just like to point out that they were 
certified animal technician, uh, broken down into cats. So, I mean, it's official. Cats. <laughs> we are cats. Um, so, Dr. Walter E. Collins, um, he was a doctor who worked in Cooperstown, New York. Um, he worked for a local veterinarian before starting his own practice in Delhi, New York. Um, he began to transition into academia in 1964. Um, he was later appointed a program director of the first animal health technician program at the State University of New York at Delhi. Um, so this was pretty early on in his um, veterinary career. He was kind of a cornerstone for um, starting a veterinary technician program. Uh, he received a grant from the U.S. Department of Health. Hey, there's that, that, uh, that government um, assistance you were talking about there. Mm -hmm. um, so in 1967, um, the ABMA began the, the process of establishing criteria for acceptable animal technician training programs. Um, then in 1972, the first accreditation procedures for animal technician programs were instituted under the guidance of the ATMA. Um, and it was also the first year that the VTNE was held. Uh, so VTNE is the Veterinary Technician National Examination, something that every veterinary technician has to take in order to become credentialed, certified, licensed, registered, etc. Uh, I remember, Ryan. I remember that half of the stuff I studied wasn't even on the test. Maybe like two questions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, most of the uh, students dreaded taking this test. Uh, it was built up as arguably the hardest thing you'll do in your career, um, at least the hardest test. And a lot of people got really stressed about it, and I don't know about you, but I ended up finding it not as difficult as everybody made it to be. They do rotate the exams, so it could have been an easier, which they might not like <laughs> a saying, but um, I actually took mine on my birthday. Ooh, yeah, yeah. As the name implies, it is a national exam, so no matter where you're at, it's supposed to encompass what you may run into, what you may see, like I said, a clinic, whether you go into like more specialized like marine biology stuff too. So being from Arizona and living in Colorado, I got a sea turtle question, <laughs> and I got an elephant question. So... Um, so yeah, if you are somebody who's thinking about going to the field and you end up hearing about this test, just know that it can have anything on there that that you can think of. So it's what they call a wild card. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it uh, you could have those weird questions. Uh, granted, you could probably see patients if you work in zoo medicine. There's that little mm -hmm. thing. In 1973, Michigan State University and Nebraska Technical Colleges were the first animal technician educational programs to receive accreditation by the ABMA. Uh, there are now 172 accredited veterinary technician programs, with 21 offering four year degrees. Uh, I'm not sure what the, the four year degrees are, but I think at least the last two years that I was at CMC, they were offering it as a four-year degree. I think it's oh, were they? Oh, okay. See, I because I took mine with the shelter animal management. Ah, mm -hmm. uh, That's not a thing anymore. 
Yeah, I heard that. Um, but yeah, they, well, I guess I didn't know, I knew they were offering four-year degrees at CMC. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that the vet tech was one of them because, well, that's lame. Because I did the three-year. So a little more history of, of the time we went to, to CMC. Uh, it was offered as either a two-year degree or a three-year degree because as a two-year degree, it's a lot of work. It's a, I mean, I don't know how some people did the two-year and held the job at the same time and had a social life. I, I think one of those That's probably, true. yeah, one of those probably fell away um, because most of the people who were on the two-year track uh, were almost non-existent outside of the, the classroom. Um, so one of the reasons, that was one of the reasons why I decided to do the three-year. I wanted some time to... Uh, enjoy myself <laughs> uh, yeah and I believe they told me the reason that they did that was because by law by the, the state required it to be achievable within two years and now maybe they've changed that and now it's available as a four-year but I found that interesting I didn't know because hmm. with the with the four-year portion it's a lot of business classes mm-hmm. so I think a lot of it was probably focused on like managerial stuff Gotcha. Then again, that was back in like 2017. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what it what it actually is now. Oh, okay. <laughs> interesting. But yeah, and then I know that the Colorado Mission University in Grand Junction was looking at getting a program, and I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure if it actually went through, but I was asked if I would get on the board. Interesting. To like ensure that it was appropriate yeah. to be accredited. So hmm. they're popping up. Yeah. Slowly. <laughs> um so then in nineteen seventy seven the the TME um or the first written state excuse me examination for licensure as an animal technician was administered in the state of New York. Yeah, New York gets all the cool stuff first. I know, right? Uh, <laughs> Um, but we're, we're glad they did, uh, again, just another step into getting us to where we are now. Uh, and that's, that's pretty much the history of what we had to go, well, not we, uh, I wasn't born yet, but, uh, what, <laughs> what people had to, yeah, thank you. <laughs> what, uh, what everyone had to go through, uh, in terms of getting this recognized, um, and be taken as more as a more serious career, which does make sense because up until really the last I don't know couple of decades, animals weren't really seen as like part of the family. You know, they were on farms. Yeah, they were seen as more as property, which is the technical definition. But as the mindset of how we should treat animals and the amount of care and quality of care that we should give them has evolved, so has our regulations and our abilities to, to provide that um, care. I mean, most most of the time it was just, I mean, the shift has changed from, you know, large animal vets to small animal vets, um, and which is actually a, a big problem, which is something we can talk about uh, at another time. As of now, we have actually, in the state of Colorado, had a few uh, recent... Uh, legislative changes. Uh, I don't know if it's applied to 
other states yet. Uh, I assume some have, well, some have, have already made some of these changes, and I think some will be following suit shortly. But uh, they've actually uh, are going to be changing our title from CVT, which is that certified veterinary technician, to RVT for uh, registered veterinary technician. Um, and they're not that big of a change, in my opinion, at least at this moment. Um, and uh, hopefully uh, the State Board of Veterinary Medicine will just kind of help fine-tune things and... and uh, and let us do what we what we love to do. But uh, beginning January 1st of this year, 2023, the State Board of Veterinary Medicine uh, became responsible for governing the practice of veterinary technicians. Um, and then starting January 1st of next year, 2024, anyone who wants to use the titles registered veterinary technician or just veterinary technician in general, um, they have to go through uh, one of the credentialing options. And at the moment, there are three different ones. Um, the one that, uh, the main one, which is how Darren and I uh, did it, we went to an AVMA-approved program at uh, a college, and then we had to pass that BTNE, which is that, that national exam, just proving that we remembered everything that we learned over the last... <laughs> crazy th two to three years yeah um but there are two other other ways um that were uh options uh, e apparently even up to now i thought there was a break where these weren't viable options um but maybe maybe not but uh, at the moment they are saying that there still will be a one-year window for those who would like to become that registered veterinary technician or just veterinary technician depending on again which state you're in um, and you can do it with work-based experience. Uh, so the first one is you have to have 6,500 hours of verified work experience, um, equivalent to the work uh, of a veterinary technician, and you have to pass that VTNE, and it has to receive an endorsement from a, a qualified individual. So you can't just go ask your, your best friend to give you an endorsement because they think you'll be good uh, as a vet tech, so you actually have to have... I mean, at this point, if you have that many hours, you probably know somebody in the clinic who thinks you're worthwhile. Um, and then that second one is if, for whatever reason, you can't or don't want to take that VT&E, um, that test, you can actually still uh, get credentialed uh, by having 9,000 hours of uh, verified work experience and... Um, have that endorsement from a qualified individual. That's a lot of hours. <laughs> yes, it is. Because um, I know when we went to school, part of our our education or our program that we didn't actually touch was we, at the very end of our program, we actually have to go work in a veterinary setting. Uh, in, in our case, they wanted it to be specifically in clinic, so they didn't really want you to go to a zoo or like specialty practices. But we had to have experience so that way, when we actually graduate, we get out and we're, we're more comfortable with everything. We actually see how it's done rather than just sitting in a classroom because it's two different things. Um, and we weren't technically allowed to be paid for that. That was all volunteer hours. I, don't, I did not see in here if this had to be unpaid or if it was volunteer or not. But to do the quick math, if you need 9,000 hours and you're working 40-hour work weeks, that's 225 weeks divided by 52 so 
it's about four years worth of experience. So, um, I mean, if you got a job in, at a vet clinic in high school because you wanted to play with puppies and kittens and you quickly found out that's not all we do <laughs> and you've been there for four years and you want to uh, become credentialed, uh, you still can. There, there's still that opportunity for you to do that. Um, now, again, a slight disclaimer, I, I believe this is all just for Colorado at the moment. I don't know if this is a national thing. Um, so obviously check your state regulations on what they, they require for you to do. So, I mean, if you're, if people are out there and they still, they want to stay in the, in the veterinary medicine world, but they don't want to do the whole registration process, like it just doesn't appeal to them, um, you can still stay in the, in the, in the industry. Um, there's no stipulation saying, you can't be here, rawr, you've got to be kicked out. Um, however, there is a stipulation that, I think is it starting in January twenty twenty four or uh, December? Yeah, technically. Yeah, cause... technically starting December um, twenty twenty three, end of this year, beginning of next year. Um, if you are working in a clinic and you're not registered as a veterinary technician, but you still are using the title veterinary technician, um, it's it's going to have some consequences as a misdemeanor, which is. A lot more than I thought it would be. Yeah, that, that that's bonkers to me. Like, I, I mean, it makes it makes it sense. makes sense a bit because again, we're we're moving into a more regulated mm -hmm. time for our profession, which I think is a good thing because in medicine and human medicine, you know, you don't want Joe Schmo off the street coming in and giving you treatments and stuff. So, mm -hmm. just like you can't. Uh, impersonate a doctor or a police officer, you know, you can't just be going around saying that you are qualified to do a, a, a medical health job, you know, position when, when you're not. So, uh, yeah. yeah. I feel like this is a very, it's a sensitive subject because, and I'm going to put it out there that just because you aren't certified doesn't mean you aren't qualified. It just says that it's like with human nurses, like there, there's a little bit of, it offers title protection and, you know, we, it's, it's saying that we are qualified and recognized by the state that we can appropriately do said tasks. And by no means does it mean that if you aren't certified, you ain't, you aren't, insert word, because um, I know a lot of uncertified technician assistants or veterinary assistants that like they've been in the they've been doing this stuff for years and they're fantastic at it and i didn't mean to insinuate that this is our way of like m making sure that people who aren't certified feel less than because they're not yeah because you said you, you know plenty i know plenty of on the job technicians mm -hmm who are, I mean, have more experience than I do and, you know, arguably are better at it than I am or whatever, you know. So uh, this is just to help delineate between, you know, 
what's a veterinary technician and what their roles are in the clinic versus, say, a veterinary assistant. Because even though veterinary assistants are very important, their skill sets and their job requirements are two different things and should be recognized as two different things as some people don't want all that responsibility. Maybe some people do want to just come in and pet and play with puppies and kittens, and that's a veterinary <laughs> assistant thing. Unfortunately, uh, vet techs generally don't have the time luxury for that as right. as often as we'd like. But yeah, we have a hard time saying, I need a break! Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, and it's by no means a demotion in yeah. any way, shape, or form. It's just you know, like you were saying, having the, I heard it described as having the know, like knowing how to do the thing and then knowing the reasoning why. Like, it's a, it's a very touchy subject and I know that a lot of people get mm-hmm. heavy spaghetti about it. Yeah. We're not trying to be rude about it. Uh, that was basically the history of veterinary technicians uh, up until now and we'll obviously keep you informed um uh, with any any new updates in the especially in the, the coming year um as we we have some changes coming up uh it seems like so so what well, we appreciate everybody tuning in uh it's our first podcast hashtag first time <laughs> so it, hopefully yeah. as things progress mm-hmm. we'll get better and better at this uh but let us know what you think if we ever get to a place that has comment sections let us know. You probably know us personally. Hi, Mom. Yeah. You can text us. Yeah, I know I've already gotten several people asking me questions because I, I posted this on Facebook that we were making this podcast and they've mm-hmm. asked me directly. So if, if you are one of these people that happen to to know me, um, you can always message me directly. But yeah, feel free to uh, put some suggestions in the comments of things you, you want to hear. Um, and we'll try our best to uh, talk about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, Matthew had a good idea of ending the episode with the veterinary technician oath. So if you want to go ahead and take that away. Sure, sure. Um, so the veterinary technician's oath goes as follows. Uh, I solemnly dedicate myself to aiding animals and society by providing excellent care and services for animals, by alleviating animal suffering, and by promoting public health. I accept my obligation to practice my profession conscientiously and with sensitivity, adhering to the profession's code of ethics, and furthering my knowledge and competence through commitment to lifelong learning. All right. Well, uh, thanks for joining us, and uh, we will see you next time. See you next time, y'all.
Yeah. <laughs> We're just gonna edit that. Yeah. Half of this episode is. Yeah. We're gonna edit that. Yeah. We're yeah. gonna edit that out. Yeah, and I didn't mean to insinuate that. Oh, this yeah. this will help us. You know. Uh, <laughs> I think we're a little yeah. tired. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't mean to insinuate that this is our way of like m- making sure that people who aren't certified feel less than because they're not. Yeah, because you said you you know plenty. I know plenty of on the job technicians mm-hmm. who are I mean have more experience than I do and. Could, you know, arguably are better at it than I am or whatever, you know. So uh, this is just to help designate designate roles, really, because uh, they're going to... They're broken down into more sections. Um, so uh, I know what I want to say. Give me a second. So just to delineate between, you know, what's a veterinary technician and what their roles are in the clinic versus, say, a veterinary assistant. Because even though veterinary assistants are very important, their skill sets and their job requirements are two different things and should be recognized as two different things as some people don't want all that responsibility, which is why I'm, you know, 34 and been in the, as a vet tech for 12 years and that's the other question that people always ask is like, oh, when are you going to go on to be a, a vet? And it's like, well, <laughs> I don't, yeah, it's like part of me would like to, but the other side is like, do I really want all that responsibility? And, yeah. and the same thing follows for any, any level of, of this, you know, in this field. It, some people just like to, maybe some people do want to just come in and pet and play with puppies and kittens. And that's a veterinary <laughs> assistant thing. Unfortunately, um, uh, Vet techs generally don't have the time luxury for that as right. as often as we'd like, but yeah, we have a hard time saying I need a break. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, and it's by no means a demotion in yeah. any way, shape, or form. It's just you know, like you were saying, having the I heard it described as having the know, like knowing how to do the thing, and then knowing the reasoning why. Yeah, so, like. It's a, it's a very touchy subject, and I know that a lot of people get mm-hmm. city spaghetti about it. Yeah, we're not trying to be rude about it. We're, we're just informing people. Yeah, but so that was uh, basically the history of the of veterinary technician mm-hmm. uh, technicians. Uh, that was basically the history of veterinary technicians uh, up until now, and we'll obviously keep you informed uh, with any any new updates in the, especially in the, the coming year, um, as we we have some changes coming up. Uh, it seems like so. Um, if if there's anything, you know, just leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, it's our first podcast, hashtag first time. So like, yeah. hopefully as things progress, mm-hmm. we'll get better and better at this. Uh, but let us know what you think. If we ever get to a place that has comment sections, let us know. You probably know us personally. Hi, Mom. Yeah. You can text us. Yeah, yeah. I know I've already gotten several people asking me directly because uh, I've posted on Facebook. We were doing this. 
excuse me, edit out that burp. <laughs> Good send up. <off. laughs> so yeah, I've already gotten several people asking me questions because I, I posted this on Facebook that we were making this podcast and they've asked me directly. So if, if you are one of these people that happen to to know me, um, you can always message me directly. But yeah, feel free to uh, put some suggestions in the comments of things you, you want to hear. Um, and we'll try our best to uh, talk about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, Matthew had a good idea of ending the episode with the veterinary technician oath. Uh, so if you want to go ahead and take that away. Sure, sure. Um, so the veterinary technician's oath goes as follows. Uh, I solemnly dedicate myself to aiding animals and society by providing excellent care and services for animals by alleviating animal suffering and by promoting public health. I accept my obligations to practice my profession conscientiously and with sensitivity, adhering to the profession's code of ethics, and furthering my knowledge and competence through a commitment to lifelong learning. All right, well, uh, thanks for joining us, and uh, we will see you next time. See you next time, y'all.